Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The text for today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open up there and follow along in this message. But to start, I'd like to read verses 12 through 14 with you now. We read together, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Many of you remember the PBS show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I'm sure. And of course, the beloved creator and star of the show, Fred Rogers. You know, Fred Rogers was invited to speak at many different groups, at many different dinners and uh, graduation ceremonies. And often when he was invited, he would do something very simple and special for the crowd. He would announce that he was going to give his audience an invisible gift, a gift of one silent minute to think about a person or perhaps a few people who had a hand in bringing them to the point where they are today. And so whoever it was they were thinking about, Mr. Rogers would let it be silent for one minute to let people remember with thanks the people who had built into their lives. And so I'd like to do this with you here this morning, but with just a little twist. I'd like you to think of someone who, using the language that the Apostle Paul does, a person who shared with you the good deposit of faith. Someone who had a hand in forming your faith or who influenced you in your Christian life. Perhaps it was a parent or a grandparent or a godparent or a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a mentor. And we're going to do this, not for a minute, but just for 30 seconds. But the idea is the same. Just think about and give thanks to God for someone who invested themselves in you. Ready? Here we go. I would say that Mr. Rogers was on to something, wasn't he? That is an invisible gift. Well, like I said, this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in our epistle reading today as he is writing to his protege, a young pastor named Timothy, about the good deposit of faith that he, Timothy, had been given. And I bet if Timothy were to have been asked to think about the people who had hand in forming his faith, he certainly, one of those people, certainly would be the Apostle Paul. After all, Paul begins this letter by calling Timothy his beloved child. That he remembers Timothy constantly in his prayers night and day. He longs to see Timothy again as Paul is now writing from prison, and he imagines how joyful that reunion would be. 
He commends Timothy for his sincere faith, which had been handed down to him as a deposit from his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, and Paul encourages Timothy toward even stronger faithfulness, saying, fan into flame the gift of God. He is reminding Timothy that he has been given a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. To get a sense of the depth of relationship that Timothy and Paul shared, Paul met Timothy on his second missionary journey, and Timothy's mother was a faithful believer. But Timothy's father was an unbeliever, so Paul took Timothy under his own wing. He loved him like a son. He trained him for ministry in Ephesus. He deposited into Timothy his time, his heart, his emotions, his conversation about serving Jesus Christ. There was a bond that they shared by their shared experiences as Timothy went out with Paul on mission, all sealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul is recognizing the good deposit that so many people made on behalf of Timothy, that Timothy was where he was because of that, and that Paul was simply thankful to have been a part of it. You know, this is what it looks like to invest in someone else in the name of Jesus. This is what it means to help make that good deposit on someone else's behalf. And this is what is called for when you and I talk about working together in the kingdom of God. It involves relationships. It involves caring for others. It involves connecting with other people, meeting another person's needs in appropriate ways. It's more than just a slogan or a tagline. It is finding one more person to love into the kingdom of God. It's a joyful calling to have as baptized and beloved children of God. The Holy Spirit compels all of us to enter into relationships with others, redemptive relationships, relationships that will be for their good and to God's glory. However, as also children of the world, born with a default setting that says, me first, This idea of entering into relationships can honestly scare us because we know that relationships can become complicated. Relationships can make us vulnerable to others. And even on the best of days, relationships require a significant sacrifice of time and emotion and energy. But think back to our example from Mr. Rogers. Remember the people who you thought about, the people who helped you, who helped form your faith, who shared the good deposit with you. I don't know who you were thinking about or exactly what they've done for you, but I would be willing to bet that the person you were thinking of made an investment of time and emotion and energy for you. They spent their time on you, and that type of spending is sacrificial in nature. Just think about that for a moment. They could have spent their precious resources of time, energy, emotion in any number of ways, but they chose to spend it on you. Building relationships with others is always a matter of choice. It's a matter of sacrifice. It's a matter of giving one's own self. 
So how do we go about this? How do we as Christians learn the art of self-giving? Well, we listen again to what Paul wrote to Timothy, and he says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. You see, Paul starts off by pointing back to Jesus first. He says this is where we learn the art of self-giving from Jesus, who first gave himself to us before we were even created, before the ages began. And he goes on to say this now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Paul is saying that he is suffering, he is opposed, he was in prison quite literally as he wrote this, all for the sake of the gospel. But it is that very gospel, the abolishing of death and the giving of life by Jesus Christ, that enables him to do what he is doing in the first place. And then Paul says the words that we read together earlier, earlier, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. You see, it's Jesus who is the one who is first guarding the good deposit in us. Jesus has made secure the forgiveness of our sins and our eternal life. There is no safer place for our faith to rest than in him. And Jesus will guard it until the day we see him face to face. And so the question is, what is Jesus doing to guard the good deposit of our faith? Does he take his gifts to us and hide them under lock and key or, or hide them in a safe, as the kids said earlier this day, never to be seen again, again until the day when Jesus returns? No, Paul says Jesus has entrusted the gospel, the handing down of the faith, the good deposit. He has entrusted it to Paul and to all the apostles who then, in turn, hand it down to others, and they hand it down to the next generation, and so on it goes. You see, the gospel is best guarded, not by running away with it and hiding. No, the gospel is best guarded, somewhat counterintuitively to our human reason, by opening up and sharing it with as many people as possible. Paul writes, follow the pattern." of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You hear that, that following the pattern, that handing down. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard it, Paul tells Timothy. Remember who it was that handed it down to you, your, your mother, your grandmother, Paul himself. Follow that pattern and then fan the flame, Paul tells Timothy. Share it, spread it, invest in others that same good deposit. But how do you find the courage to do that? How do you find the courage to invest in others? We do so by remembering how much Christ has invested into us. 
Remember that Jesus poured himself into your life by pouring himself out on the cross. And Jesus didn't only invest his time into you, he invested his very life into you. He spent his blood and sweat and his very last breath paying the price for you to settle your debt of sin with God the Father. And Jesus chose to do this. He chose to sacrifice himself. He chose to give of himself fully for you. And why? Because of the joy set before him. The joy of having you at his side, both now and in eternity. Can you think of anything more generous than that? The more you begin to dwell on Jesus and what he has done for you, the more generous you will be with your investment of time with others. The more you fill up on God's grace in Jesus, the more fuel you will have for building relationships that can not only change lives, but perhaps even if God wills it, change eternity. And so the question is, who is God calling you to guard the good deposit with, that is, to share it. Typically, what we see is one generation of faith handing it down to another. This is how God sets things up within our churches, within our families. There's a lot of good godly sense in how he has set that up so that we do pass on what has been given to us. We heard about that with Eunice and Lois doing that for Timothy. And so we see in our own families, parents with their children, but also the role, the important role that grandparents have, aunts and uncles. By show of hands, let me just ask you, how many of you are godparents to someone in it today? How many of you have been godparents to someone? Yeah, many of us. And I would say, no matter your godchild's age, Think about the role that you have in their life, praying for them, checking in with them, seeing how they are doing. That too is a special bond. Think about all that God may be calling you to do for someone in your family or your family of faith. And we see this also happen beautifully within our congregations as well. Is there a young person in our congregation that maybe God is asking you to invest yourself in? To uh, young people need to hear from their elders now, perhaps maybe more than ever. The old saying goes, and it's certainly true, it takes a village to raise a child. You know, I've talked to so many people who have asked me as a pastor, well, what is my role in my later years? Why is God keeping me around? What does he want me to do? And I cannot stress how important it is for our young people to hear from the older generations what their faith has meant and continues to mean to them. And to our young people, I advise them to be open to hearing from your elders. But also, young people, don't think that you don't have a thing or two that they might learn from you. Sometimes, all of us, this can happen, all of us need to be reminded of those valuable lessons that sometime along the way in life we've just forgotten. And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can help remind each other of God's mercy and grace. Now, it's not always a younger to older thing. Sometimes we're asked to build into people 
and share that good deposit of faith with people of all ages. And not only within our families and congregation, but all people that God has us in community with. But the point is this, that we are open to being in relationship with one another because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And because we have been made his first, we therefore belong to one another second. And so together we participate in the mission of Christ, sharing, not keeping for ourselves, that good deposit, both for the sake of those who believe and also for the sake of those who do not yet believe. Today we recognize LWML Sunday as we've discussed, the Lutheran Women's Missionary League. And do you know how long the LWML has been working in our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod? This is their 80th year, since 1942. And if you notice that year, 1942, you'll know that that was right in the middle of the Second World War. That was a time when there wasn't a lot of extra money or resources to go around. So naturally, what did this group of women meeting in Chicago for the first time decide to do? Well, they decided to guard the good deposit by sharing it in mission. They thought, what better time than right now to focus on the mission of Jesus Christ? And so that's what they did, and that's what they've done all these years. Down through the decades, they've raised millions of dollars, and I mean millions, to support mission work. But this isn't off the back of a few large donations, rather with simple little mite boxes, with just a few coins in it. And we, as you've probably done, just put a few of our loose coins in here, maybe on a weekly or, or daily basis, and every month turn that in. And over time, those little deposits have added up to quite a lot. Now, yesterday, I had the privilege, as Pastor Tom and I both did, of attending the fall rally that the, the zone here had at Christ our King. And, and so there's far more to the LWML than just simply uh, raising mites. They actively engage in what we're talking about, in building of relationships with fellow Christians as well as with non-Christians, all in the name of serving the one who has served us. These women are living out their faith as daily followers of Jesus Christ. And so to all the women in our congregation, I invite you, I encourage you to get involved in what our LWML is doing here. But there's another reason why this mite box is a perfect example of what we're talking about today. That's because we, of course, know that, that we couldn't give unless Christ first gave his all to us. That because Jesus has deposited for us our life and eternal salvation, we then in turn are able to make little by little deposits. We are able to invest ourselves in other people with our time, with our energy, with our emotions, and while it might not seem like it's making that much of a dif difference, or that we wouldn't think that we could make much of a difference, over time, it does add up to a lot. And we're not the ones who are in control of what happens anyway. God is directing all of that. And so we don't need to be. We simply and daily steward that which God has given us little by little and know that he takes care of the rest.
It's all to his glory. And it's all for the benefit of our neighbor. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.